This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. Get your bonus episodes. Get your ad-free episodes. Mm -hmm. And we're recording this a little early because you're going somewhere this Saturday. Well, I'm going somewhere in three hours. That too. So remember when we talked about how uh, we really appreciate that we get paid for this and that's why we can prioritize this? Yes. I am frantic right now because I need to be packing. So let's slam jam through this. I gotcha. am leaving in, it's 12.45, we're leaving at 4.45 p.m. Um, for ultimately to Fargo, North Dakota, because my husband and I are trying to visit all, all 50 states. I almost said 60 states. Um, all 50 states. Uh, so we're driving up to Eau Claire, Wisconsin tonight and then going over to Fargo by way of Duluth, Minnesota. It's going to be a very pretty animals. drive. I know. We're nuts. But on our way back, we are going to be spending Saturday night. This coming Saturday would be what? The second? Third? Fourth? Something like that. Uh, oh, sixth. No, oh. Not third. even close. Not even close. Third. Um, we are going, my husband, my dog, and I are going to be at Unleashed Hops and Hounds. In Minneapolis, it is a dog park slash bar situation. You do need reservations to get in. Um, so you have to do that on their website. If you're bringing a dog, you need to like do some stuff. So if that's your plan, do that. And if you're coming, please let us know either on Facebook or email us, friendlyandthispodcast at gmail.com, just so I kind of roughly know how many people to expect. I'm looking forward to it. I really love hanging out with you guys. Very cool. Okay. And while we're talking about stuff we are going to, I will be in Des Moines, Iowa. Excuse me, you I make know. fun of me for driving to Eau Claire, it's, Wisconsin? You set that up for me. I I'll be uh, at the Iowa Secular Summit on Saturday, June 10th. And if you Google Iowa Secular Summit, you can buy your tickets, and hopefully I'll see you there if you're in the area. Where in Iowa did you say? Des Moines. Never been to Des Moines. I've been to most of Iowa. Well, I've been to Iowa City and Dubuque. That was the biggest lie I've ever told. Why would I just lie about being into a lot That's of... what this podcast is all about. It's just about. me lying and then correcting myself immediately. There we go. It's such a weird instinct. So let's start with this story today. My brain today. isn't functioning well. <laughs> this is going to be a mess. It's okay. Just, just listen. Great. You're all good. Just listen, he says. The Washington Post had a story this week that... Uh, the second it was out, I think it was the most read thing on their website, like by a mile, and I saw it getting shared everywhere. And basically, it's by this reporter, Peter Jameson, who is doing a series, I think, on homeschooling because it's been on the rise in the country, partly because of the pandemic, partly because conservative Christians especially have just been on a tear of trashing public schools and trying to push people toward homeschooling. But the people he covered in this case, in this particular story, um, were conservative Christians who are about as pro-homeschooling their entire life as you can imagine, and they recently made the decision to escape that and send their kids to public school. And his article was about why are they doing this? What made them think, you know what, maybe homeschooling is not a good idea for our kids. Sure. Can I just yeah. clarify quickly? So they, this is a group of people who all homeschool Christian, like... There are Christian a bunch of Christians, but these are just two people. Just one homeschool. So it wasn't a, a religious motivation. Okay, so I'm assuming, if I had to wager a guess, and based on the experience I just had with my friends who uh, were homeschooled, I assume they could only find really religious or conservative... Uh, learning materials in like homeschooled programs, and so they didn't want that. Wrong. Oh, good try. Good try. Socialization. Not even close. So 
the people no in question are... Because they hate teaching kids? Because teaching is terrible? Not even close. So the That's people are Christina living, you know. and Aaron Beale. Basically, these are two oh, people who are... Wait. Nope, you don't know them. Christina and Aaron Beale. They're both products of conservative A-A-A-R-O-N Christian homeschooling. Yes, so irrelevant. they're a couple. They're not. Listen, I'm trying to get all of the information. I will give you all the information here. So Christina and Aaron Beale, wife and husband here... They're both products of Christian homeschooling. Christina graduated. She was homeschooled. She went to Patrick Henry College, which is a very well-known conservative Christian school that ends up sending a lot of people to Capitol Hill to do internships for Republicans. Where where is that university? Uh, I think Virginia. I could be wrong about that. But she went to this school... Patrick Henry College is founded by a guy named Michael Ferris, whose other side gig is co-founding a group called the, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. So this guy that runs Patrick Henry College uh-huh. is also the king of homeschooling for the Christian uh, community. And thereby putting in a lot of people to Capitol Hill. And so it's also a pretty, that, seems yeah. like a pretty strong funnel. So you get the idea of conservative Christian environment. Her husband, Aaron, is a, quote, self-taught web developer who also went, who was also homeschooled when he was growing up. And the reason he met Christina in the first place is because their families belong to the same religious circles. Okay. And in fact, their religious communities were really led by a guy named uh, Gary Cox, who was another homeschooling advocate. So this is... All they grew up with. They know Christian homeschooling, not just because they participated in it, but because the people who led the stuff they did Mm -hmm. weren't just random Christians. These are people who fight for homeschooling with as little government intervention as possible. The article pointed out that Christina and Aaron grew up believing birth control was evil. Cool. That... Uh, Christians will eventually win because atheists don't have as many babies, and if they can just produce as many as possible, then we'll just outbreed you and Quiet win that out way. Loud. Yep, they believe creationism is true. How they their believe life expectancy is shorter, so it really kind of comes out in the wash. Eh? Dinosaurs were on Noah's Ark. They believe. Oh. Yep. They also unicorns. Yeah, sure. And they also think public schools were they were raised to believe public schools are indoctrination camps. That are run by the government oh, in the part irony to of indoctrination turn, camps. We'll get to that. Uh, in part to turn Christians, uh, in, to turn children against Christianity. Sure. That's the environment they grew up in. These are people who, once they got married, everyone's just expecting them to have a lot of babies and homeschool all of them, which wouldn't be weird because that's what a lot of quiverful yeah. Christian couples do. Yeah. I mean, oh God, have you ever like interacted with a narcissist? Like the kind of people who think everything is about them. Mm. Like, I feel like this is what Christians are writ large. Like, they think the rest of us are going around, like, trying to get our fingers into Christianity. Like, we're, we're, like, we're the villains coming at them. And it's like, oh, I don't give a shit about, nobody's talking about about you. you. Nobody's thinking about you. We are not doing anything about you. You are being narcissistic. (laughs) You are finding patterns that simply don't exist. Sure. So... The turning point in their lives came when, after child number four, they kind of began doing some soul-searching about all this, because their problem is not an ability to homeschool. Um, Christina Beale was more than willing to do it. They weren't worried about the material, even though it's there are a lot of Christian homeschooling curricula out there that are wildly um, full of misinformation and horrible. That's not the issue. That's a separate issue. Mm -hmm. 
I think if you read through the article, there were really three lies that they had to confront that they realized, wait, this one doesn't make any sense anymore. We can't do it. And then the dominoes just started to fall. So let me break this down, this long article, by the three lies they kind of came into contact with. First came the issue of physical abuse, okay? Because this is something that is part of conservative Christian circles. The lie that they were taught is that physically abusing your children is a proper form of discipline. Mm-hmm. And here's Spare what happened. The rat, in, the child. Yep, here's what they had to deal with. They were married in 2012. Okay. And part of their getting married process involved taking a premarital seminar run by a minister in their religious community. So conservative Christian environment. It's not mandatory like mm-hmm. it might be with Catholics, but it's something they had to do. But one of the topics they covered in this seminar is how are you going to discipline your future brood of children? Yeah, because right? you're going to have 40 or 50, exactly. so you got to keep them in line. And the textbook they basically used for that part of the seminar, not surprising here, uh, Michael and Debbie Pearl's 1994 book, To Train Up a Child. That was 1994? 94. God, yep. doesn't that have real 1950s vibes? Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much everything we're going to talk about has 1950s oh, vibes. Sure. So, yeah, they used that book, and the Beals were told, just as the Pearls said in their book, that they should use physical objects to literally hit their kids. And this is what it says in the article. Uh, the handout they were given, mm-hmm. which is taken from basically what the Pearls wrote in their book, says the use of the rod is for the purpose of breaking the child's will. One way to tell Jeez. if this has happened is to see if they can look you in the eyes after being disciplined and ask for forgiveness. So that's what the Your book child says. should be asking you for forgiveness yes, after you Yes, thank you, sir. May I have shit. another? Right. Cool. Cool. Yep. And then, here's this is from the article. The pearls advocate hitting children with tree branches, belts, and other, quote, instruments of love to instill obedience. And they recommend that toddlers who take slowly to potty training be washed outdoors with cold water from a garden hose. Their book advocates training sessions in which infants, as soon as they are old enough to crawl, are placed near a desired object and repeatedly struck with a switch Mm. if they disobey commands not to touch it. So, you can hit your kid with anything, the book says. Tree branches, belts, whatever you got lying around there. What if your kid's learning how to go to the potty? Let me tell you what I did. It involved child going to the potty, and if they did it right, mm-hmm. they get an M M&M and M, and we have a little dance off or something, like Put whatever. A on you a give chart. them a reward yeah. for doing it right, not a punishment for being an infant or whatever. And then this idea that yeah, oh, if an infant no who doesn't have their brain solidified until how old, like twenty something, if Two they yeah, if they see a pacifier 26. lying nearby and they reach for it, smack them. That's what these people are teaching their kids. That's what they're teaching as the right form of discipline. I just truly, 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 truly do not get it. It is something that I do not think anybody will ever be able to explain to me in a way that I find satisfying that a person you are charged with raising and and you hit that you physically hurt them. I just, it, it just does not compute with me. And obviously it's it's a cycle of abuse, right? Like my parents, sh- quote unquote, showed me love by hitting me. I'm going to do the same thing. Like that's kind of what it comes down to. But it's not, it's not 
It doesn't have to be that way. Again, I know I always use this metaphor, but like I train horses. They're much bigger than a toddler. And I do not beat my horses because there are better methods of producing a relationship with this animal. The same way you should be pursuing a relationship with your kid, not raising them up to be a soldier in your weird imaginary Christian war. Mm -hmm. I just cannot understand, aside from, again, the cycle of abuse, I do not understand how you can hit your kid and be like, "Mm, great, I feel good about that. So here's what happened. Christina and Aaron, who were both raised with that sort of disciplinary, those methods, Mm. they suffered that abuse as kids. Mm. And in Aaron's case, he said the he's now reading this on the other side of the fence as the future father, right? Okay. And now he's reading about this and he's saying the euphemistic ways they talk about discipline that this is for the love. This is out of love. This is an instrument of love and now beat your kid with it. He says that stuff, quote, did not capture the childhood terror of being struck several times a week, unquote. God, can you imagine? So he's looking at this and he's like, I didn't learn anything good when I was disciplined you like this. You to be this. afraid of your parents. Yeah. He said what the lesson he took away from the abuse he suffered was never challenge or question authority figures. And they did it right. And that's the wrong message that he wanted to send his future kids. But he's the authority figure now. And now he's like the authority the figure. Happens, and he's like, I they- want my kid to challenge me and I want them to learn how to do that in the right, respectful, responsible and way. And I feel like so many men would be like, good, now it's my turn to like be the abuse, you know, be on this end, the giving end instead of the mm-hmm. receiving end. Like, I it's mean, my anyone turn. who says... I went through this you do too. Anyone who says, well, I was spanked as a child and I turned out fine. It's like, no, you, no, you don't, don't because you want to hit kids. You want to hit kids. What's wrong with you? I don't think you? it's appropriate to hit kids. Hot take. I, so common sense told both of them, Christina and Aaron, that they didn't want to physically abuse their children. You said this is after the child four? This, no, no, no. They haven't had kids at this point. Oh, this was in the seminar before. This was in the seminar. Okay, I'm after sorry. They, I was confused. As they were getting married, they're like, this is not how we're going to raise our kids. They both agreed, and they decided we're not going to follow this piece of advice when we have kids. And guess what? Once they started having kids, mm-hmm. and they did not physically abuse them, they realized, oh, hey, our kids are fine. Yeah. They're turning out well. They're doing normal kid stuff. Yeah. And hey, we ignored the conservative Christian mindset here. And things worked out fine, and our kids don't hate us, and and it's nice. Well, and also, like, you have, if we want to kind of understand what's going on in another person's head, we have to, like, care enough to ask questions. And it's much easier instead of saying to a, like, understanding that this three year old has zero impulse control. So if she sees a cup, she's gonna fuck that shit up and then be like, I don't know why I did that. We, we all have impulse control issues. And to pretend that beating the shit out of a three-year-old is going to stop them from being a three-year-old and that you should encourage them to not be a three-year-old and explore your world and cause a little chaos. Like, why are you having kids then? Yeah, I mean, the conservative Christian mindset is let's rule everything we can out of fear. Yeah. That's the way they interpret the Bible, too. God is not a God of love. Jesus doesn't want to be your friend. Mm. It's fire and brimstone for a reason because you're supposed to fear God. God, therefore you obey God. So they think that's how we should raise our kids. So thankfully, Christina and Aaron said, we're not doing that. They turned out fine. So now they're four kids into their marriage. And now Aaron's wondering, like, what else from my childhood 
was I lied to about? So they you know? really didn't, decided not to hit their kids. They did not, at all. and their kids are fine from from the jump. Okay. Yeah. So now we're getting into lie number two, which is that they were always taught that questioning the existence of God or doubting God must be the result of trauma, which is a Christian thing that a lot of pastors and apologists yep. say. The irony there is gorgeous. <laughs> You know who understands trauma, not the people who are abused yeah. uh, in the Christian world. Uh-huh. It's atheists who have questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, he started reading books about evolution and cosmology. And the key word there is he started reading, right? Like that's never something you're supposed to do when you're a conservative Christian. Surely. Not about this stuff. Hey, read Joel Osteen's good, <laughs> good feeling stuff. Oh, no, they hate him. Really? Oh, yeah. He's, I don't know. No, they, conservative Christians hate that guy. Anyway, really? he also started listening to ex-Christians talk about their experiences. I don't know if it was like YouTubes or podcasts or what, but their experiences mirrored his own. These what? are not people who had a uh, axe to grind or whatever with Christians. They were like, no, I was a true believer. This is what I experienced. And mm. he's like, yes, that is my life. And then these people wow. made it out. Like they got to the, All other, the, way side. On the other side. And he's listening Damn. to them speak about their experiences. And he's like, I kind of get where they're coming from and why they left. And also along the way, he starts wondering about the public elementary school in their community, mm. which has a really good reputation. And he's like, maybe it's worth checking out sure. instead of homeschooling. To be clear, there was nothing wrong per se with homeschooling their kids. Mm-hmm. They were doing it, and it was there. It was fine. I'm Had sure whatever. started the homeschooling? With the oldest kids, With the yeah. oldest? Okay. But there was nothing wrong with it. Their, sure. their oldest at the time was not like, I think, maybe kindergarten tops. Okay, that's kind of what I was trying like, to get to. Like, she hadn't had years of it. into, like, the actual, like, first, second, third grade when right. they're teaching Maybe a little bit, but nothing intense. Grammar and um, shit. So he suggested, why don't we send our oldest daughter... To public school as a, you know, we'll check it out. Let's see how it goes Mm -hmm. because I'm beginning to think it's not evil, (laughs) right? The public school. And so we're in line number two. This is part of line number two. We're still in the trauma phase of like, can you question stuff you were raised to believe? And now his wife faces a uniquely conservative Christian dilemma. Am I supposed to oppose the public schools because that's what conservative Christians do? Or disagree with my husband. Or disagree with my husband because... You know, I'm supposed to obey my husband. (laughs) And she literally is trying to figure out like, oh, no, it's like the meme with the person looking at two buttons buttons. that are same thing. Like, oh, uh, uh." it's also a catch 22. (laughs) Yeah. So she decides like, but one thing she realizes during all of this conversation and Aaron is telling her that he's reading these books about evolution and he's listening to these ex-Christians. What's Aaron doing? And Aaron's just doubting. He's questioning his faith. Oh, I meant, uh, what's the wife's name? Uh, Christina. Christina, what's she's she real- uh, Whatever, I don't know what she does. So she realizes that Aaron, whatever his doubts are, and she still believes, but whatever mm. his doubts are, they're not coming from a place of hatred. They're not coming because he hates God. Or mad. He's or... not mad about God. He has no problems in his life Trauma. that are so existential. There's no trauma. He doesn't have a desire to, quote, sin. He's just thinking. Yeah. He's, this is the result of introspection and reflection and normal things like that that most atheists listening to this probably went through at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. She said it was, quote, the hardest thing Aaron had ever done, which is questioning this stuff wow. for the first time in his life. She was still a believer, but now she had more reason to at least think the dogma behind why people lose their faith or shed their faith or at least question God's existence, maybe the stuff I was taught 
by those Christians I grew up with was not true mm-hmm. either. And now she's beginning to read more about spiritual abuse because we're <gasps> starting to see more stories come out about oh. Christians who are believers and you're, no one's doubting their faith, mm. but they're talking about how they were ab- physically, sexually abused by people in their churches, mm. how people like uh, uh, Mark Driscoll are spiritually abusive yeah. where you have to believe this stuff in mm. this way, even though it's not a salvation issue Mm. but like no 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 if you're a conservative christian you have to be against trans people or whatever it feels a little bit like toxic positivity of like you can't ever like think something is bad or like feel down on something everything is great everything is according to god's plan and if we are unhappy that would mean god's doing something and you have to fight against the stuff liberals want because that's also part of what god wants you to do so she's reading about spiritual abuse all of them (laughs) and then she's reading (laughs) about christian nationalism which comes up in 2016 especially with Trump. Um, and she's like... What I, year are we in right now? Sometime between 2012 and 20 now. Okay. Um, but she's also reading about Christian nationalism. And like that's disturbing to her because it doesn't comport with her idea of what Jesus wanted them to do. And has she seen that in her... In her group, or she's, she's just she's, considering it all? She's realizing Got it. that the Christian community she grew up with is very much on the side of spiritual abuse and Christian nationalism, Got even it. though she's drifting further away from that stuff. Mm. She started questioning the fact that her father told her she would be wasting her time if she ever worked outside the house, which she didn't believe anymore. Wow. Like, no, I can work and do what I want to do, and I'm not wasting my time, and I'm not depriving my kids of something. So, and it turns out, like, here's the bottom line. She's married to a guy she believes, and and is, I'm not doubting it, like, he's a good guy. Mm. She believes that. And he's also someone who doesn't fit into that conservative Christian mold anymore. And And now that's forcing her to rethink everything she was taught about people outside the bubble, Mm. which includes a lot of those families at the public school. Because they were not from her kind of Christian background. So maybe they're not as evil either, right? Here's lie number three that she had to confront. Public schools are like these anti-Christian bastions of immorality, right? Because this is what they were taught growing up to. So now their oldest daughter, Amy, is starting to attend first grade, and they send her to the public school. They'll give it a shot. Let's Mm -hmm. see how it goes. They're worried. They're crying when she enters the school. Amy takes like two minutes and she's like, yeah, I'm good here. Right. She enters first grade. She fits in. She adjusts really quickly. Her teacher really quickly. Once they start getting reports, you know, it takes a while when you're that young for Uh teachers to figure out like, okay, I have a, I have a good sense of what this kid's up to. Mm -hmm. Teacher loves her. She's doing great. Amy's making new friends. Her reading skills are, are not just improving, of course they would improve, but they're quickly improving faster than what it appeared she was doing at home. Mm. More importantly, like the Beals, the couple, are realizing that she's not being led astray by Mm. like some horde of liberal groomers. She's counting apples. And if I take away too many apples, (laughs) how many apples do I have? Here's a quote from Aaron. I love this quotation. This is the father. People who think the public schools are indoctrinating don't know what indoctrination is. We were indoctrinated. It's not even comparable. Wow. And the article notes that this couple, like any doubts they had about public school were, quote, usually silenced by their wonder and gratitude at the breadth of their children's education. Christina even began volunteering in the classroom, which means she is seeing firsthand what they are doing in the classroom. She's like, oh, there's no, like, Satan worshiping. We're not pole dancing here. Like, no, we're just counting apples. Like, this seems fine. And, like, here's the thing. 
all of this is what educators and public school school supporters, Mm. we've been saying this for years. Mm -hmm. Like the best public schools do expose kids to a breadth and depth of knowledge and a variety of people uh, from different backgrounds. And you almost certainly couldn't find that sort of stuff inside whatever bubble you might be in. That's not even a knock on Christianity. It's just really hard to give your kids a wide breadth of information and expose them to a variety of backgrounds and types of people when you're in a like-minded group Mm -hmm. and you're limited by what you know. I mean, how many people have bragged or at least said out loud, like, I'm not a math person. That's fine. Not everyone is. But then it's going to be a little harder for you to make Mm -hmm. sure your kid is getting the sort of math education they need. Same applies to reading or history or whatever. And listen, there are homeschooling families that figure out ways around this. They Mm -hmm. know what their limitations are. Mm -hmm. They kind of outsource certain parts of their kid's education to other people. Um, And like, that's fine, but not everyone does that. That's Mm -hmm. the problem. And the, the couple also realizes public schools are pretty heavily regulated. They have standards uh, that are set by experts in various fields. And if kids, and this is important, if kids begin falling through the cracks, there are systems in place to help them out. Mm -hmm. It's not perfect or well-funded. Right. I want to be clear. <laughs> they're not our, the United States public school system is not even that great, but. Yeah, and that's the thing. Public schools have flaws. Yes. I am not doubting that. They are not. They should not be immune from criticism. Right. But the Christian right has spent decades lying about the nature of those problems mm-hmm. and the depth of those problems and what can be done to fix those problems. And they're all saying, the, spreading these lies to an audience of believers predisposed mm. to hating anything connected to the government. Mm-hmm. Like these people demonize hardworking teachers and administrators. Then they try to take over school boards in order to replace expertise or at least people who could seek out expertise with their form of right wing indoctrination. Mm-hmm. So at this point now, the Beals have sent their three oldest kids mm-hmm. uh, who are of school age. They've now sent them to the public school. The youngest one's not old enough yet. Mm. But they figured out what all of us have known for a long time, which um, schools are fine, right? That's the <laughs> idea. And to their credit, they deserve a hell of a lot of respect because yeah. to them, this is a risk. Not sending their kids to sure. public school because that might backfire on their kids. Of course it's not. But because they're going to face backlash from their families and religious communities, mm. and it's bound to be fierce. But they felt like this is a good move for our family. Yeah. Our kids are better off going to the public schools, which can provide them with information and people and everything that we just couldn't give them on our own. Or if we wanted to, it would require so much of us that we could not do anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And none of that is to say homeschooling is evil. They are not saying that. I'm not saying that. The system only works, though, if kids are actually receiving a good, well-rounded education. Mm -hmm. And we have seen religious communities fail at that time and time again. I was looking back at older articles, and I remember there was one homeschooling Christian a couple years ago who wrote an article where she talked about how she was tasked with writing up her own high school transcript. She had to give herself grades on her classes. Oh. And she's like, well, I'll throw in like a B here and there, uh-huh. maybe a C just so it doesn't sure, look like I'm just getting it. Like, it, what are you doing? And it won't surprise you here that Michael Ferris, the guy who runs the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, uh-huh. their whole shtick has always been, for many years now, has been fighting against any kind of oversight on Christian parents 
a move that critics say allows abusive behavior, physical, educational abuse, all of that remains hidden from public view. They don't want states to just check in every now and then. They don't want states to verify that kids know anything. They don't want Mm -hmm. government officials looking in on any of this. They just say, we don't want our kids to go to public school. We're good. Get off our case. Lay off. Mm. And the truth is, that is basically, I'm sure some parents do fine, but we have firsthand accounts that show a lot of times it isn't. Mm-hmm. There's no way to make sure students are receiving even a rudimentary education under the policy goals of those right-wing Christian groups. And there's no way to fix that. And again, what does it take to change that? It's not me saying it. How many former homeschooled kids who have come out of religious very strict religious environments and have gone off to college maybe. And they're like, I was taking a basic community college class in let's say biology Mm. and I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. And all of the people taking the class knew a lot. Yeah. And I couldn't, competition is the wrong word. It's not a competition. Couldn't keep up. But they couldn't keep up because they didn't know anything and they didn't know they didn't know anything Mm -hmm. until it was too late. Can I add another piece to Mm -hmm. this? Um, we've talked a, a couple times about how we are, bo- oh shoot, I forgot the name of it. What is it when you, if a kid tells you they're in trouble, a mandatory reporter, yeah. ma- ma- mandated reporter, we're both mandated reporters in our particular mm-hmm. other jobs. Um, and I think a piece we lose when we talk about this kind of thing, we don't want government in our business is that on a day to day, so your kids go to what daycare or preschool or kindergarten or whatever. Yeah. So they see teachers, they see aides, they see administrators, they see all these other adults, Mm -hmm. all of whom are loosely making sure everybody's doing okay physically. So if a kid comes in with bruises, if a kid is not been, his hygiene is not good, if he's obviously not being taken care of, there are people in our community, that's the fucking point of a community, who are looking out for kids. Because guess what? Not all and parents legally, know what's best. And legally required to report to a social worker or a counselor mm-hmm. if you witness bruises or weird uh, interactions or something like that. I was just in a, a therapeutic riding class and the kid was wearing shorts and he had bruises all over his legs. And the uh, therapist was just sort of like, hey, you have a lot of bruises, like just sort mm-hmm. of inquiring. And it was fine. But this is part of what it is to live in a society with competent adults who care about your children is that maybe they can flag that or maybe they will notice something that the parents don't see. And if you keep your kids either under lock and key in your house, I'm just like... In the cupboard, under the staircase, I'm truly imagining like a farmhouse in the middle of Nebraska for some Mm -hmm. reason that they just won't leave. Um, Nobody is, is there to make sure those kids are okay and we know that the vast majority of abuse happens by somebody kids love and trust and are related to usually so it is a danger this couple now realizes that yeah these people are looking out for our kids Mm -hmm. and they're not evil and we're not evil and there's nothing wrong with it it's not pro or anti-homeschooling. It's just public schools are fine. And maybe we were wrong when we were taught that mm-hmm. homeschooling is the only viable option. Mm-hmm. I should say in 2021, American Atheists released a statement. This is, you know, a year into the pandemic. More people are homeschooling because public schools are trying to handle uh, COVID and all that stuff. And there was this huge rise in homeschooling. It's still continuing today. 
in 2021, American atheists said their fear was a lack of state-level laws protecting homeschooled children from child abuse and educational neglect. Hey, that's the thing I just said. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they pointed out is that only 12 states require instructors, like homeschooling included, to have any qualifications. Only nine states required a student progress evaluation. Wow. And, nine? And, yeah. Out only of 50 nine. states. Uh-huh. Or 60, if you are right earlier. And yeah. then 13, <laughs> 13 states allowed religious exemptions to homeschooling requirements. That's the one time he listens That's to that. me is yep. when I miss Exactly. So, like, there's not enough oversight and the Beals are realizing this, and you know, kudos to them for sending their kids to the public schools. That is incredibly impressive. If they can and make brave it out. and uh, and the fact that they're talking about it publicly is mm-hmm. genuinely, I, I'm blown away. That's that, so impressive. The headline of the article: These Christian homeschoolers were taught that public schools are evil. Then they enrolled their kids. Bing bong. Right. So, I mean, just a fantastic article. If you need a wow. free link to read it, I'll post that in the article in the show notes and stuff okay. like that. Um, really, really interesting to see. And with that, let me go to a story about a dead nun because I've spent way too much time thinking about this. Okay. This week in Missouri. Speaking of a book I read. Yeah, right. The Birth in, of Venus. <laughs> in Missouri, a Hundreds, if not thousands, of Catholics descended upon the town of Gower, Missouri, G-O-W-E-R, to catch a glimpse of a dead nun's corpse. Yes, a miracle, supposedly. Have you heard? I saw a lot of, I've not been online much, but I saw a lot of headlines of all these people are going to Nowheresville to see a miracle. To see a miracle, yes. Very excited. I'm going to tell you about this miracle, and then you're going to be like, that ain't a miracle, Uh, and then we'll all agree. Yes. Is it a dead person is still dead? Uh, She is still dead. Uh, the story is weirder than that. Here's who we're talking about. Let's get this out of the way. Her name is Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster. The, her claim to fame is that when she was 70, she founded a, a Catholic group called the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. Also a kick-ass band name. That was when she was 70. Mm. She died in 2019 when she was 95. So she lived a good long life. Sure. She also founded this order of Catholic nuns. The the order still exists today. She went through like 18 wars. Right. And so here's the thing. If you know anything about dead bodies, they are often embalmed Mm. to prevent them from decaying. So what happens? There's a dead body. The funeral's in two weeks. What do you do with the corpse, right? Because you might want to have an open casket funeral. Mm -hmm. So the people who handle that sort of a thing, they embalm it. What does that mean? They're going to take care of it. They're going to make sure it's... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm so sorry. You're trying to explain embalming is so funny. Yes. They literally just drain all of the fluid out of the person and replace it with embalming fluid to prevent basically rotting from the inside. They preserve the body. I could have listened to you try to explain embalming for the rest of my life. I will do that in the bonus episode. They touch the skin. They clean clean the skin. And then the embalming on top. They embalm on top. Thank you. So they normally do that for dead bodies. They did not do that when Lancaster died. So that's point one to take note of. They did not, they did not embalm, her. embalm her. Okay. She also was placed in a coffin that we apparently later found out had a small crack in it, which okay. just creates an opening for like moisture yeah. and dirt. All of this is to say, her, everyone thought like, well, she's, she's been, been dead for four years. This body is decayed. Her corpse is rotting. But also, does it matter? Because it's underground and who is going to go look at it, right? Why, like, yeah, why are we checking why, who, right, why on are the are we state checking? of her corpse? Right. It shouldn't matter. She's dead, right? How long ago? 
four years ago. Okay. So here's the thing. Her sisterhood that she founded mm. decided to... Traveling pants? Yes. They found, wanted to move her body to a new resting place inside their chapel, which is, I think they just built it or something. So they wanted oh, they to were, preserve like, her body. Her. Yeah. They wanted to put cool. her body in a, corp, in a coffin there. Mm. But so that people could walk meant. over her for all of eternity, just like she wanted. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they were going to do exactly. Like, were they just going to leave the coffin in no, a place I, of presence so it, we could pray over it or they what? They do it in, like, Westminster Abbey. They have people, like, fucking entombed all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's very creepy. So this is the thing. And they do this for founders of Catholic orders, so it's not even that weird. There. Like, There's not corpses under our feet. Jesus. <laughs> So they expected that when they exhumed this body, they would find whatever were the remains of her corpse. Four years, so almost skeletal by this point. You would think, right? Like, maybe you find bones and whatever is left. It's not pleasant. It's not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. What was shocking, and this is what was the miraculous part, Mm. is that that's not what they found. Oh. What they found is that her body still looked pretty intact. Do you have a picture of it? uh, I do, if you want to see a corpse. Of course I do. uh, I'll show you the picture here. Look. The picture looks like they buried her and it's her body and it's just sitting there and it doesn't look like anything happened. It looks like she died yesterday. She looks like she she doesn't look like she died yesterday. To me, she looks like she's I mean, been she's mummified. Dead. Like, sure. She's dead. Here's and from an article. Dead. This is from an article. Exhumers found a layer of mold on Lancaster's body, likely due to condensation in the cracked coffin. But little of Lancaster's corpse or her habit that she was buried in decomposed while she was buried. And so they were like, well, that seems unusual. And in fact, I did not know this. I know this now. Catholics have a word for bodies that don't decompose. It's called incorrupt. And it's said to be a sign of holiness and a possible miracle, therefore justification for sainthood. Because if you want to be a saint, you have to have performed two miracles. This could be a miracle. Apparently, a hundred bodies have been deemed incorrupt by the Catholic Church in the past. This sounds... I've heard of something like this before. It's not impossible. Not impossible. A part of the buzz this time around is that if Sister Lancaster is said to be incorrupt, it would be the first time it happened to a black woman. So that was part of the reason people cared about this. Oh. Um, according to someone at the monastery, we think she is the first African-American woman to be found incorrupt. Okay, so there's a possibility that there's something extraordinary happening, that this body may belong to a future saint. And that's why all these people are going to Missouri to check out this body, because they think they're witnessing history, and they might be looking at a future saint. And Mm. they've prayed and asked the dead body to intervene in their lives. She, I mean... I'm looking at a different picture. The one I looked over Hemant's shoulder at was kind of like from her feet. I'm looking Mm -hmm. at one... From above, and yeah, I mean, she does. To me, she looks like um, like somebody who they find a lot of bodies that get caught in like bogs and other places that like kind of delay or like really really cold areas that so they don't really decompose, mm-hmm. but they're twenty thousand years old. Like that's kind of the vibe it is of like okay. pretty dried, but also if there was mold in there, if there was moisture in there, like shit. I don't know. Science happens. I don't know shit about we'll science, about, but we'll, I don't call we'll, that a miracle. We'll get to the science. So the Catholic Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, issued a statement saying, you guys, calm down. Oh. We're not calling this a miracle yet. Yes. Like, lay off. The bishop is working, they said in their statement, working to establish a thorough process for understanding the nature of the condition of the nuns' remains. Yeah, Catholics and they definitely said, need lots of evidence <laughs> for yeah, their... right. There is a well-established process to pursue the cause for sainthood, but that has not been initiated in this case yet. 
basically saying, calm down. We didn't say it was a miracle. So, like, if you're looking at the body, sure. you're doing this on your own, not because we told you to <laughs> do it. Come see your body. Donate to our church. Yeah, exactly. So, my favorite part about this is that different reporters reached out to actual scientists when it comes to this. Great. Uh, one, uh, at least CNN, I think, reached out to a professor in forensic anthropology and they're like, mm-hmm. hey, what's That's going on? That's the right on? person to talk to. Right? What's going on with this body? And the response was, shrug. Like, here's what this professor said. It's hard to say how common this is because bodies are rarely exhumed after burial. Mm. But there are many famous cases of well-preserved human remains. Not just things like Egyptian mummies, which were intentionally preserved, but also things like the bog bodies of Europe, which were well-preserved for thousands of years because, like you said, (laughs) they were in environments with low oxygen that restricted bacterial growth and access of the remains to scavengers. This professor also said, this is important, in general, when we bury a body in our human decomposition facility, Uh which I 100% want to know more about. Of course. He says, we expect it will take five years roughly five years, for the body to become skeletonized. That is, Mm. without a coffin or any other container or wrapping surrounding the remains. So for this body, which was buried in a coffin, Mm -hmm. I personally don't find it too surprising that the remains are relatively well-preserved after only four years. Mm -hmm. Saying... I know you all think it's weird because mm. you have in your mind a vision of what any dead corpse right. looks like right. from movies or whatever. At yeah, the end of Psycho, it's like, right. uh-huh. <laughs> But I am telling you, after four years, if she was in a coffin, yeah, she probably kind of still looks like Nana. You know what yeah, I mean? Well, like, it's not that weird. Check back in 100 years. Right. Then we'll talk about a potential miracle. Yeah, I, uh, I listen to and read about a lot of true crime, and this sort of rate of decomposition of a body is very hard to tell. Like, really depending on like you said the circumstance like the the it, it's hard to tell how long something's because somebody can be skeletal in 3 months if they're in the woods with a bunch of um like bugs and is, animals around there it's also really easy to conjure up mental images of what things look like i mean i've heard this of what do you think an alien looks like if you think it's green with big eyes it's cuz you watch a lot of movies mm-hmm. but there's no basis in reality right. do you remember those pictures like if well, except for the people anti- who saw the aliens, well, obviously. obviously. The people who uh, promote, who are anti-abortion, and they're like, this is what a fetus looks like at, you know, half a minute yeah. old. And they show you a picture, and it's basically a human baby, but shrunk. Uh-huh. And it's like, that's not what it... And then when you see an actual scientific picture of what it looks like, it's like, that's bacteria in a lab mm-hmm. on a Petri dish somewhere. And it's Truly. like, because no one knows what it looks like because you're not used to seeing what a fetus looks like in the womb at two weeks old or whatever it is. Same thing with dead bodies. We're not used to seeing a wide array of what decomposing bodies look like four years after being buried. Mm-hmm. You don't have a good sense of what that should look like and what something weird looks like because we don't look at those things. And here's the thing. Catholics do this thing all the time where they take things that are purported miracles Uh because they don't know any better assume it's a miracle and then there are clear signs that no there's a good explanation for this for Uh example they might say this was a communion wafer and it was consecrated and therefore it was the literal body of christ catholics say and then you know we dropped it and then we put it in like a cup Uh for preservation and then the cup turned red (gasps) Red? and it must be the blood of jesus oh 
And it's like, buddy, that's just what happens when a wafer is in, mixes with this liquid. There's nothing weird about that. Or they might see a Virgin Mary statue in the church, and it looks like it's shedding real tears. And then scientists analyze the liquid, and they're like, no, we know where that liquid is coming oh, from. Oh, yeah, I interviewed... Like, all uh, this stuff. What's his face? It doesn't matter. There you go. Thank so you. I, there were a lot of quotations with some of the Catholics who were visiting the dead nun's corpse to mm-hmm. pray over it. One person called it an incredibly rare opportunity to see the hand of God at work. Another person. I thought that was babies. Yeah, that too. Everything's the hand of God at work, right? <laughs> yeah, um, right? Another person said, I feel like people are like, wow, we need this right now. That's why she drove five hours to witness the corpse. I'm about to drive five hours to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. To I see a dead ju- corpse? I mean, I don't know that there's not a dead corpse that I will see in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. There you go. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, I'm not even upset with any of the people going to visit the corpse because, like, they want hope. Sure, whatever. They, of course, they're going to assume the outlandish. Yes, it's illogical. Yes, it's unscientific. Mm. Yeah, it's the same thing with horoscope people. You just want to believe, so you'll believe bullshit. I mean, fine, whatever. Uh, they're not hurting anybody. They're just... If you're spreading it, now I have a problem with you. But whatever. If you just need hope, okay, fine. Yeah. I do have a lot of anger for the Catholic leaders who refuse to set them straight and who always seem to lean into the possibility yeah, that oh, this yeah. might be a miracle. Oh, we don't know for sure yet, mm. but like the other miracles that we said were miracles that are not miracles, that stuff's legit. Totally. This one, you know, we still got to do our research and then we're going to call it a miracle because of course they are. Of course it is a miracle. No one's, they're never going to release a statement saying we looked into this and you know what, you guys? This one's not special. Sorry. She can go back in the ground. I have a very important question. What is the process of verifying a miracle? What does that look like? We've talked about it on this show when, Mother Ter- when it came to Mother Teresa oh. and they had to verify two miracles. And the thing is, it's always the dumbest shit. It's nothing that would pass scientific muster. It's just we found I mean, a couple a of people who said it was a miracle they and they have letters after their name. So it's a miracle. Um, they're scientific research is about what you would see in Roswell, New Mexico. Mm. It's like, I know some of you think it's supernatural and we're not here to tell you it's not, Mm -hmm. but we'll just put it out there and you do with it what you will. And honestly, if you look at the numbers... aliens crash here, but wouldn't it be cool (laughs) if they did? Her body may be one of the only thing drawing people to a Catholic church these days, so of course they're not going to wreck with the business model at this point. Um, (laughs) All press is good press? I cannot believe that's a story. That is wild. All right. There's a story I saw this week that involves all of my favorite things, which is politics and a horrible pastor and survivor. And it all crossed paths and it's glorious. Okay. I'm going to tell you the backstory here. Pastor John Raymond is the name you got to know. This guy has spent decades in the church as a church leader in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. John Raymond. He's the head of a place called Lakeside Christian School. And just over a year ago, not decades ago, Just over one year ago, John Raymond was arrested. Why? Because apparently there were three kids in this private Christian school who were talking in class, and so they were sent to the principal's office to be reprimanded. And what did this guy do as the head of the school? He literally taped their mouths shut and, like, wrapped the tape (gasps) over their heads to make sure, like, their mouths were shut. And the kids were apparently stuck in that with the tape over their mouths for 45 minutes, according to police later. Oh, my God! Yeah, and other administrators at the school are like, we feel very awkward about what's happening here. And they're the ones who cut the tape off of the kids' mouths. So they would have been there longer. They might have been there longer. 
Um, the police later said the students complained that they had trouble breathing while their mouths were taped. What? And that when they ripped off, I mean, when they took off the tape, it was painful because, of course, it was. Was this duct tape? It doesn't matter. I don't know. I was looking for that. I don't know why the type of tape really matters to me right I'll, now. I thought it was duct tape when I heard it because that, like that would tape. definitely hurt. I'll tell you the answer is no, it's not. But oh, good. Um, the police said also that they presented their evidence to a judge later. And a few hours later, John Raymond turned himself into the police and he was booked into the local jail for three counts of cruelty to juveniles, child cruelty. What's the third count? I wonder the three kids. Oh, there's that's three, it. There's yeah. only two kids. No, there were three. <laughs> and here's his defense in court. One, I gave them the option of using transparent scotch tape as if that makes everything as better. As opposed to... As opposed to whatever the hell he used. Masking tape, right? I don't know. He also offered to call their parents and suspend the kids, but, you know, the kids didn't want me to call the parents. It's really well, their fault. it's so funny because kids have famously good decision-making <laughs> skills. And then he said, I asked the kids if they were in pain and could breathe, and they told me they could. That was his defense. What is the... Mat- I have a new theory that the greatest danger to our world right now is petty tyrants. It's not <laughs> like the fucking Mitch McConnells of the world. It is these motherfuckers yeah. who get the tiniest grip of power and completely come unhinged. He, and I genuinely believe that this is like a prominent problem in America right now. I have a book coming out later this year. I can't <laughs> yeah. wait to share it. And then, <laughs> and then this guy also said he could not believe that in the media, in the courts, like he was being treated as the bad guy. He said... He stands these, by it. Yeah. The, these students were given a choice between suspension... And, and corporal te- punishment. And temporary tape, is what he said. And later he said, no student was ever treated with cruelty or harmed in any way. I'm just... I can't stop thinking about accidentally like tearing off some of your lip skin and how much that hurts like if you oh my this guy he did claim the tape was never wrapped around their heads the police said otherwise after talking to the kids he also said it was often under 10 minutes that is not what the police said either after discussing it with the kids Mm. but it doesn't matter he still did it no one's doubting that and like it hurt the kids no one's doubting that anyway that's part one of the story part two oh it gets worse part two of the story just months oh, after yeah, that, just months after that, that incident, uh, um, he uh, was arrested again. Guess why? Same thing? Child cruelty. Again. Same, same? Uh-huh. This time, the new allegations was that there was a four-year-old boy sent to his office. I'm just going to read this. The police said the new allegations include John Raymond holding a four-year-old boy upside down by his ankles and, quote, whipping his buttocks. And in a separate incident, covering the same child's mouth and nose with his hand to stop a tantrum. In a press release, police said witnesses reported Raymond's actions prevented the child from breathing to the point of him going limp. The witness, a staff member, said the child was, quote, out of it and lethargic and, quote, unable to stand. Oh, my God. Fourth count of child cruelty now. So now, John Raymond now takes a voluntary leave of absence. Private Christian school. He takes a voluntary leave of absence from the school at this point, but he denies doing anything wrong. So that's part two. So this guy. He keeps doing it. He genuinely doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. Doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. God, this is like the first season Um, of Mindhunter with that teacher like to tickle kids. (laughs) 
And people know what I'm talking about, and they're going to get on board for that. Sure. He pleaded not guilty to all these charges. He's mm. literally appearing in court next week as we record this oh. for a trial date for, like, the first of the charges, the three charges. So, so they're separate They're trials? all separate trials. Jeez. And by the way, separately from all of this, all of this, four parents have also sued him over the alleged abuse. Wow. And their lawsuit mentions a completely different incident from, like, six years ago in which he allegedly assaulted another child and caused quote, serious bodily injury or, quote, neurological impairment. No. That's according to the lawsuit. We don't know if that's true, but that's is it. Is that what Jesus wanted to do is, that is, is exactly. punish children into psychological impairments? He said it in one of the Gospels. I can't remember which. Acts. It's in there. I'm sure. Not one of the Gospels. Deuteronomy. So, not even close. I know. So, um, that's John. what he's done at school, right? Uh-huh. Okay, here's the other side of is this John one guy. Of the John is one of the <laughs> gospelers. Got Nicely you. done. Fuck you, Bible. I know you. There you go. Um, separately from all this, this guy happens to be a prominent Republican. Surprise, you knew that was coming. I mean, in 2018, he <laughs> ran for a seat in the Louisiana State House. Oh boy. Why his campaign was, I love Donald Trump and I hate gay people. And Republicans said... Good platform in 2014, or 2016? 2018. Republicans rejected him. He lost the primary. They selected another horrible Republican. But he lost. He was not even good enough for Republicans. In 2019... He's like, I gotta hit kids harder. (laughs) In 2019, (laughs) there was a special election... And he ran for that, and he lost that one, too. Take the hit, my dude. Um, so that's another thing. Like, that's how unlikable this guy is. By the way, after all the child abuse, uh, child cruelty allegations came out, he gave a speech that same month to the St. Tammany Republican Parish Executive Committee, where he served as an elected GOP official, mm. and he said all the allegations against him are false and that he's a victim of... Uh, cancel culture. That is yeah! correct. And by the way, none of them, none of those people asked him to resign from his job leading the local Republican Party. In fact, the Louisiana Republican Party State Central Committee, on which he also serves, did not punish him either. Because Republicans are sending us their best people. They no, I think they are, and that's the problem. (laughs) And here's part three. You had to wonder where Survivor was coming into this. Oh god, I forgot again. What a compelling story this is, Hemet. I know you don't know this, but in 44 Weird. seasons of Survivor, there is one objectively worst season of Survivor. It's season five. It's season that was based in Thailand. And John Raymond was on the show that season. Whoa! Of, he was on the island on season five of Thailand. And guess what? what? In in the worst season of Survivor, and why is it the worst? Because no one there is likable. You hate everybody. Oh. You hate the guy who eventually won the show. I you hate, hate everyone. They're that. all boring. They're all annoying. He was so annoying. He was the first one voted off on a whole season full of unlikable season. people. Are like, no, this guy's too Actually, annoying for he's all of us. Too much. <laughs> Wow. What does that say about him? He has no no self-awareness, no ability to work in social situations. No one likes him. No one likes him. So, like, just to establish the fact. How did he get to run a school? Because, again, best Republican, worst human. Forgot, forgot, forgot. So, um, this is a guy who was on a place where his past could not theoretically hurt him because he was on Survivor. They didn't know him, and he was Mm. unlikable then. He ran as a Republican. He was unlikable enough. They didn't vote for him twice. Uh, at this school that he runs recently, 
he's been charged with all sorts of things. Well, he's like, how come nobody likes me? Maybe I need to beat more children. Mm -hmm. That'll, That'll do it. And now here we are. There we are. So why am I bringing all of this up? Why am I bringing all this up? Because you want to talk about Survivor. Well, that is true. Uh, He just announced this week that he is once again running for the Louisiana State House. Yeah, bud. He just announced his campaign. Following following all four counts of child cruelty, he's like, you know what? I'm going to ride this. (laughs) Like I said earlier this episode, there's no such thing as bad press, man. Yep. Let me tell you what he said in his campaign. He's got name recognition. In his announcement. I feel it's important people who believe in conservative Christian principles hold positions to create laws to direct our state properly. Oh, yeah, that's their, like, motto, right? Conservative Christian principles. Is we need conservative Christians to run this country, Uh otherwise it's going to go to hell, which, ironically, it's turning into hell because they wouldn't do anything about climate change. He added, I've spent 23 years serving St. Tammany Parish in promoting Christian conservative values, and I feel compelled to run to bring those values into law. Vote for me. Vote for I'll me. Make the your guy. three-year-old pass out. <laughs> oh my God! Yep. Brag. Uh, he also said Jesus. he wants to protect children from the quote woke trans agenda. Trans agenda is one word with a hyphen. The woke trans agenda, mm. as if the biggest threat to children isn't a dude like him. Sorry, I'm just really hung up on the grammar of trans agenda. Like, is it a compound modifier? So, like, the trans agenda (laughs) group or something like that? I really... It's um, a great What I like about this guy is that he has so little self-awareness that he is a man who thinks it is appropriate to physically humiliate. Let's not forget that part of it. Actually, let's sit with that for a minute. We're not talking about, like... A, a spanking that happened in private by your dad. This is a thing that happened at your school, a place you were supposed to be safe, and you were being humiliated by an adult. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? Like, as a 12-year-old, I was embarrassed of everything. And I just cannot imagine bouncing back from a teacher the fully head of the school. Head of the school. me. Yep. In, in more or less public. Like, I just cannot imagine being this person. As a local Republican leader, this uh, John Raymond has appeared in the Capitol before because he testified in a bunch of hearings mm. supporting bills like requiring schools to post In God We Trust in the classroom. It makes me so fucking uh-huh. mad. And because it's not even this guy is, like, ignoring abusive teachers. and pay- He is the abusive teacher, he's- and he's still like, look over there, that's the See? problem. The gays are beating your... Oh, shit, no, that's me. The gays are <laughs> woke in your kids... I guess that's bad. Sure. He also fought to allow historical Bible courses to be taught in public schools and in favor of anti-trans, anti-gay restrictions. I still think that there should be some kind of Bible class um, taught by a competent adult because I do think that it is a literary piece. never what these people want. I've said this before. I read part of the Bible for my lit class in college. Like, it is... Literature, right? It's literature. It could be taught as literature, but not the way these people want to do it. Um, I should say, why is he even Big running? Book of rules. He's running for a seat in a Louisiana district, uh, District 104, which is oh, reliably sure. red, and it's currently represented by a Republican who cannot run again because of term limits. Mm. That's why he's jumping in, because the person who could probably beat him is no longer there. Um, 
Which is to say, it's possible another awful Republican could beat him in a primary, but he's the first one to uh, jump into the race. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if he'll have any opponents. But the fact that someone like him could theoretically win, because he could, because he is a prominent Republican, and they don't care about hurting kids. Is this a 2024 election, or is it this year? Uh, This is, I think, later this year in Louisiana. I think maybe they do odd-year elections. I do not understand how elections work. The unearned confidence of a conservative Christian pastor who thinks he's on a moral crusade when he's the enemy everyone else needs to look out for. He'll just dismiss every allegation as a hoax. He will label all of his critics anti-Christian, and all of that's going to be red meat for white evangelicals who ignore all the charges and just focus on, yeah, you're against woke, I'm for you. I was genuinely just about to ask whether or not uh, he was white, because I assumed he was, but then I thought, you know, Jess, you shouldn't make assumptions. Not all abusive monsters are white men. He is. Ah. Yep. Just add that to the list. Just add it. it. Listen, not all men, certainly that one. (laughs) <laughs> yep. I'm still looking for the not ones. That was the season of Survivor where the winner oh was a softcore uh, adult movie star. Oh, good for her. And everyone, him. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was scandalous. And it really wasn't. No one cares. But it was just a bad season. Anyway, uh, let's talk about uh, the Catholic Church really quickly because I saw this remarkable story. This is a Bay Area, uh, area uh, affiliate of NBC News. They published this story because here's what they learned. Um, Yeah, we know the church is abusive. Yeah, we know the Catholic Church has harbored abusive priests and everything like that. Um, In this case, they basically figured out that the Catholic diocese in their community um, ignored a case of abuse, and then that person went on to abuse people again and again and again. Hmm. Here's the story, and I think this is worth talking about their piece centered around a woman named Danielle LaCampagne. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but she basically in the 1970s went to a private Catholic school in San Francisco. She told the Catholic leaders at that school at the time that she was, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say at the time, but when she attended in the 70s, she said she was abused by Father Daniel Carter at the school she attended. The story was Carter came over to her family's house for dinner. She was eight at the time. It was time for her to go to bed, so she went to go say goodnight to the priest who was visiting their home as the guest. And I'm going to quote this. Sorry, you can forward like 10 seconds. Can I? You can. You can just look away. Mm. I was wearing my pajamas, and he took his hand, and he put it up my pajama shirt and felt my chest area. And then he took his hand and put it down my pajama pants and felt my bottom area and vagina area. So this happened when she was eight. In 2002. What the fuck is wrong with people? In 2002, this woman, uh, Danielle, starts reading about what's happening Uh, the Boston Globe spotlight stories about Mm. the Catholic Church. She learns about the sex scandal. She realizes, wait a minute, I'm not alone here. Mm. Other people were also abused, just like I was abused. Mm -hmm. And that guy, the priest who did this, never faced any repercussions for what he did. She knew he was still working for the church. Oh, he was still working at the time. Yeah. Wow. It's now 2002. It's three decades later. So she finally, now, at this point, 2002, reports him to the Archdiocese of San Francisco and relives all that trauma. And by the way, she also filed a police report. She also filed a lawsuit. Uh But she did report this guy to the archdiocese. She worked as a social worker at this point. Her job is protecting kids. So she did everything she knew how to do as a social worker to now take care of herself, right? 
Uh, and the thing is, the priest was uh, Father Carter. He was temporarily placed on leave while the claim was investigated. The lawsuit she filed was mm-hmm. settled out of court. There was no admission of guilt. Um, and the church later said that we reviewed the allegations, oh. but we believe they oh. are, quote, unfounded. So the priest was allowed to come back Because to the priest said no. Right, pretty much. No. And That's his defense. Thing. No. At that point, the church isn't going to take no. action. The lawsuit doesn't go anywhere. At least it's settled. So there's not much she could do on that So this measure. is the first act of a vigilante movie. Well... And the police, I don't think they could do anything at this point because sure, it's, it's really hard to do anything. But here's the thing. In 2019, if you recall, the California legislature said in response to all the Catholic abuse, we're going to open yeah. a three-year window for adults to file lawsuits relating to child sexual abuse mm-hmm. if in the past you were locked out from doing so because of statutes of limitations. Right. Well, guess what? She's already filed her lawsuit. She can't do it again. Mm-hmm. So she's out of the running here. But the lawsuit said, I should mention, that bill said uh, people as old as 40 could file sexual abuse cases that affected them when they were kids. And if you are older than 40, you can file similar lawsuits up to five years after you discovered that the psychological injury or illness was caused by sexual assault, since it's not always obvious at the time. Long story short, that three-year window gave a lot of people who may have now, later in life, come to grips with the fact that they were victims. And it an opportunity them. to like face it and yes. deal with it. So wow. that window went from January 1st, 2020 to December 31st, 2022. The Uh-oh. window is now closed. Like we now know uh-huh. how many people filed lawsuits and like what came of that window. And according to NBC, more than 1,500 lawsuits were filed against Catholic institutions in Northern California alone. Northern California Northern alone. California, oh just that part. God. And guess what? Six of those lawsuits they reported this week came from other victims of Carter who said they were abused around the same time Danielle was. This is from their article. Sweet girl. They accused the longtime priest in separate lawsuits of sexually abusing them as children at different moments in his career between the 1970s and 2000. One of the new lawsuits alleges... Carter repeatedly fondled an eight-year-old girl attending a San Francisco Catholic school in 1981, which would be after Danielle. A second plaintiff alleges the priest did similar things to her around the same time. The abuse described in those campaigns, in those cases, closely mirrors Danielle's own account. So, obviously, her lawsuit would not have changed what those other victims say happened to them, but the fact is... She's now backed up by empirical evidence. Yeah. She reported him in 2002, and the church said, eh, there's nothing to He's, see here. So how long has he been working since? He oh, is, fuck. he was still working as recently as a couple years ago in the church. And like, here's the thing. If the church had a better system in place at the time for reporting allegations of abuse and a better system, I mean, which they didn't in the mm-hmm. 70s, and a better system to review those allegations which they did not in the early 2000s when she filed that claim, Mm -hmm. church leaders could have taken immediate action, but because the systems weren't in place, this guy just found victim after victim after victim. And I don't know whether the church dismissed her concerns because of incompetence on their end or malice, but they let this Father Carter roam free from church to church, and he always had access to children. Mm -hmm. 
an attorney for two of the new victims say all of this should cause people to question how seriously the Catholic Church takes sexual abuse Mm. and why their internal review process is a sham. He said, this is an institution that has shown us time and time again that it cannot be trusted to self-police itself. Yep. And that is the point. The pile of bodies just grows when you don't take action. And by the way, it took a secular government run by Democrats Mm. to show the moral courage that Catholic church leaders never had by passing a bill putting power back in the hands of these alleged victims. Oh, God. It's just... It it just feels so big sometimes and so out of control of the... It's it's yeah. genuinely it feels gaslighty. It feels like I'm being manipulated all the time because I'm constantly being fed a barrage of trans people are predators and drag queens are trying to fuck your kids or whatever. Meanwhile, we know who is doing this, and mm-hmm. it's all of the white youth pastors with spiky hair and the Catholic churches boys and, and their the and their who fancy vote for dresses. The Republicans, Truly, right? like, and it. I don't. I think that's the thing that makes me like want to scream cry is these people who are saying like, we're trying to protect our children. And it's like, but. Then but those are the people you need to protect them from. Those are the bad guys. The guns guys. are over there. <laughs> like, I, I, it there are all the things you could be doing, but you don't it care. It distresses me beyond measure. Like I can't think about it too much because it's like a computer when you ask them to do like an, impro- an impossible question when you ask a robot and your brain just like fries. You know, you know that thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. Some people, yes, and uh, Hemet just silences. That you've captured my personality perfectly. Mm-hmm. Last story for you here for this week. Um, there's a Republican lawmaker in Michigan, which is now thankfully blue Woo! trifecta in the government. But a Republican lawmaker wants to pass legislation requiring public schools to basically lie to kids and tell them, teach them about the quote Christian foundations of the United States. And this is a guy named Representative Joseph Fox. He's a first-term legislator. I checked out his campaign Facebook page where he repeatedly says things like, Jesus, quote, is not dead. Then in all caps, he is risen. And he says, Jesus defeated death, sin, and Satan. Which is weird because these people all say Satan is causing a bunch of things. So he didn't sure. He's him. a busy boy. He is busy. Uh, his campaign website boasts that this guy, Joseph Fox, was a Christian school administrator and teacher for 25 years. And that he has been a pastor and missionary. And these are all said in the sense that this is why you should vote for me to write your laws. I don't really understand that. Um, I looked up. Some people think those are good things. Yeah. He also, I looked up his legislative accomplishments. Mm -hmm. It's easy to see on the Michigan website. And uh, what are his, quote, accomplishments? Well, he's filed one bill to hurt trans kids. Finally. He also passed a resolution declaring the first week of April, Easter, as Holy Week in the state of Michigan. That's all he's done so so far in the legislature. Can't, it's like fucking what's-his-face goes to what, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. This guy gets into power and he's like, I'm going to change things for good. I'm going to fuck up some trans kids' lives and I'm going to declare a meaningless bullshit holiday that nobody's going to really know about. I am doing good. Let me see if I can ruin history too. So this (laughs) is what this bill does. This is House Bill 4672, The relevant part of it says, uh, basically, public schools shall ensure, must do it, in each U.S. history and civics course that your school offers, the Christian foundations of the United States basically must be taught. Does this he have teaching, a particular book that he... Oh, oh I'll get there. Oh, this this teaching must include, but is not limited to, 
information concerning how the pilgrims emigrated because of persecution and how that influenced the ideals and fundamentals behind early communities and how, as these communities were formed, the communities cultivated democratic forms of government and Christian ethics simultaneously for the prosperity and safety of the Commonwealth. So Christian ethics, just so I can clear, yeah. uh, so yeah. I can be clear, 1776 Christian ethics were slavery mm-hmm. is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Native Americans should probably be murdered mm-hmm. pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those we don't murder, we're going to make into little clones of ourselves and then mm-hmm. still separate them. So they never feel like they fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, are those kind of the main... You, you the hit the nail. Women can't vote or own property or have a checking account for almost 200 years You're after this. You're thinking of Indiana. No, that was the United States of America. Oh. We couldn't get checking accounts till the 70s, motherfuckers. Mm. So, Christian ethics... Do people like, know that? Do people know that women could not get checking accounts until the fucking 1970s? People should be more mad about that. I'll work on that for the they, next episode. Yep. So... This guy, like, to answer your question, what textbook does he recommend? He doesn't. He just says teach Christian ethics. What Christian ethics? He doesn't say. What Christian foundations does he want these schools to talk about? He doesn't say. But he told the Detroit News, his objective is clear. He just wants to shift the narrative from all those pesky historical accounts connecting our nation's founding with slavery Mm. to something that makes his side look better. Here's the statement. Fox Why are they so said, afraid of history? Because it makes them look bad. Fox said there were, quote, but they narratives. Right there. They tell us all the time. Fox said there were narratives that attempted to categorically shift the focus of instruction about the colonial era. Among the narratives, Fox mentioned the 1619 Project that aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of our national narrative. And that's bad because... He's mad that we teach kids about slavery and that it's essentially what our whole country is based on. And he wants them to learn, but Christians are good and we're all Christian and we were founded as Christians. This is 100% the dude who is like... Actually, slaves were treated like members of family, and mm. they were by they the would good Christians. By, by the good Christians, the mm-hmm. bad Christian. Well, the bad ones weren't Christian. If right. they say they're Christian, they are not. Don't get it twisted. Um, they but were Joel Osteens. They were. <laughs> I mean, these fucking people. I mean, here's the thing: you can't talk about the literal foundations of our country without discussing the role of slavery. You can, however, ignore conservative Christianity. Because it's not done anything good in 200 years. That too. Because the founders were not this brand of conservative Christians, and a lot of them were not Christians. Mm. And like they made it clear, if anything else, that an important aspect of evading religious persecution was religious neutrality by the government. That's why Jesus isn't in the founding documents. Mm. Like if Christianity played any role in our founding, it's that it was a justification to uphold slavery, mm-hmm. prevent swaths of the country from voting or owning mm-hmm. land. And look, if he wants to teach that aspect of religion, prohibition, that too. which did end up killing a lot of people. Well, that was the FBI that killed a lot of people, but um, if he wants to follow make sure, me for more about prohibition. There, if he wants to make sure that history of his religion is taught, fine, sure. But like, I think he's getting all this BS from the Christian pseudo-historian David Barton, who has spent his career spreading misinformation about Mm. the founder's supposed Christian leanings. But he never mentioned Barton in the law, in the bill, in Facebook, whatever. But it's always always from that guy. You know, his vibes are all over it. And then when he was asked... that Barton stink on it. (laughs) It's a Barton Fink joke. Sure. And then when he was asked about church-state separation, he said, well, that's not specifically mentioned 
uh, in the U.S. or Michigan Constitution. And then he added, uh, I'm theocratic. He said, I'm going to quote the article. He calls himself a theocrat. Fox said, in a sense, he is theocratic. God is in charge of the government, he said, of his belief system. Whatever, I'll let the theocratic thing slide. But the thing is, the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and the Establishment Clause is very much about church-state separation. Mm -hmm. By the way, the Article 1 of Michigan's Constitution is all about church-state separation and religious neutrality by the government. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point of it. So he hasn't read that either. You won't find the exact phrase if you tried copying and pasting it, separation of church and state. But if you're looking for the underlying principle, it is in both documents. I do think that conservatives are very good at um, skating around the separation of church and state because they're so like, gotcha, that they're like, well, it does not say the word separation of church and state. And Mm -hmm. and It also doesn't say Jesus. It doesn't say Christian. Do you want to play this game it's not going to end well Truly, for you but they also just kind of fail oh boy i lost my train of thought okay go it's ahead. okay they were so here's the thing though michigan run by democrats mm-hmm. this bill will not pass thankfully it's not oklahoma it's not texas whatever um and the democrats had a field day with this good one democrat they deserves to have some fun up there <laughs> the chairman of the house education committee tweeted we will not take up unconstitutional bills written by people who oppose a well-rounded education in favor of religious indoctrination. No, couldn't have said it better myself. Another Democrat tweeted, this Jewish member of the majority yeah. party says over my dead body regarding this Good bill. For a ha- I wonder, how do they, how, like, what would Dan Fox's... Joseph Fox. Joseph Fox. Dan Fox is the guy I did in high school. Nicely done. Nicely <laughs> um, done. Uh, um, what is his reaction to, hey, I'm Jewish, go fuck yourself? Because it's not, yeah. I feel like atheists, <clears throat> they just pretend we don't exist. It doesn't matter. They yeah. don't care about hurting our feelings. It's hard to me to envision them saying he to offended a, a Jewish, Jewish person. person. And like, I looked on all of his websites, campaign site, Facebook, everything. He hasn't said anything about this bill at all, except in this one article where the reporters asked him about it. So I he didn't it. respond to the to the Democrats who were mm-hmm. saying no. But like, here's the thing. This bill has like nine Republican co-sponsors. Not a single one of them. Really? Yep. Nine? Not a single one of them cares about Michigan students getting a strong, comprehensive, secular education. Mm -hmm. They love to scare people with words like indoctrination and grooming, all while perpetuating both of those things themselves. Because if it's done in the name of Jesus, they'll let anything slide. So the good news, this bill is not going to pass. But that doesn't mean you should... Uh, ignore the fact that Republicans would try to get this done if you vote for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just thankfully don't have enough power in Michigan. So, yay. And with that... Oh, is that it? That is it. Oh, boy, I have to pack. Have fun. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we can do it like a quick... You can find me at Hemant Meta on whatever's left of Twitter. You could support this show by going to patreon.com slash friendlyatheistpodcast. Email us, friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sorry about, uh, I guess the commercials have been really loud lately. We're working with... Yeah, we're trying to figure that out. And also, I know the first time we uploaded last week's episode, there was an audio glitch. We fixed it. Hopefully, you you heard the corrected version yeah. in time. We're doing our best. We're, we're doing what we can, We're just two people. idiots trying to do a thing. <laughs> uh, um, where do we find you? You can find me on Twitter, um, at Jess Bloomke. Um, again, I'm going to be in Minneapolis this coming Saturday, the fifth or sixth or whatever the fuck sixth. it is sixth uh, at unleashed tots and hounds in minneapolis 100% light it's the third 
3rd is Saturday. At least you are confident about it, you know? If you're going to be completely wrong, I just at read least a story like about a know. conservative Christian. The, the confidence <laughs> yeah, seeps through. Just, it really absorbed into you. Um, Saturday at 5 p.m., you do need reservations. Uh, shoot us an email or a Facebook message if you're meeting us so we know to look out for you. All right. Um, we're we'll going to do a quick bonus episode, fast, fast, fast. We're going to talk about um, the show, The Ultimatum. Okay. And we will see you all next week. Have a good one. Bye.